Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. And that's because the both of us had to watch episode three of Moon Knight. We'll be discussing this at length on the second half of today's show, but Aaron, quick thoughts? I like it. You like it. (laughs) (laughs) If you open the door to let me uh, expand on it, we'll require another 20 minutes. So I will reserve my I like it explanation for the second half of the show. Okay. Duly noted. Do you like it? I I did. I did. And I'll show a touch of self-control and we'll, we'll save it to the second half. All right. Okay. Plowing ahead with the news here. Countdown to the release of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness continues. There was a brand new trailer for online intelligence that was created where it's called Reckoning. What continues to fascinate and both frustrate folks is we're getting all of this Doctor Strange stuff, but yet people continue. It's like, where is my Thor Love and Thunder trailer? Do people now understand that they've got a movie that is imminent that they would rather focus on for just a moment? I get that. I do. I do. But at the same time, it's hard not to appreciate there's some really funny people out there that's on Twitter who basically said, hey, it's just been confirmed that the Thor Love and Thunder trailer has just been confirmed as a post-credit scene in Thor Love and Thunder. Well, I mean, we had the same thing when it was, uh, we first we weren't getting our Spider-Man trailer because Eternals was coming out. And then there was a delay in getting a Multiverse of Madness trailer because that was a post-credit scene for Spider-Man. So, yeah, I mean, they got to do it in the right order, right? You can't be advertising stuff that's... I, I that, that far that. down the road. I do. Uh, one little bit of news that supposedly in this next six day window, the trailer is due. Okay. So hopefully by Friday, we'll all have seen it. And if not, keep your eyes open over the weekend. Okay. Last week, Aaron, we revealed that the runtime for Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Bantis was two hours and six minutes long. This week, we can reveal that the rating for uh, that the Motion Picture Association of America has awarded this Marvel Studios production is PG-13. And that is for intense sequences of violence and action, frightening images, and some language. That's about as high as we've ever gotten for an MCU movie for anything, so it's not breaking new ground. Might be a little new ground being broken. We've also learned that the America Chavez character that Sochil Gomez is playing in Multiverse of Badgets will be acknowledged as gay over the course of this Doctor Strange sequel, which I would imagine is not going to make the governor of Florida happy. Well, as long as they don't say it. (laughs) If she kisses another girl but doesn't say anything about said kiss, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You can't say gay, but you can sure be gay Mm. in Florida. Well, (laughs) this is true, but not in China. I don't know if you saw... No, 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 not there. What is it? Uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, story earlier this week that Warner is actually... Pulled six seconds of dialogue. A couple secrets of Dumbledore too many. <laughs> well, evidently, evidently. So, yeah, uh, kind of intriguing. So, huh. all right. Anyway, lots of news this week, folks. And speaking of the news, the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. 
Okay, Aaron, a show or two back, we talked about She-Hulk, the limited series that Marvel Studios is prepping for Disney+. Plus. We shared what's being said about this 10-episode female empowerment procedural that supposedly breaks the fourth wall a lot. So Titania Maslany, who plays the show's title character, can then talk directly with the audience. What we've been hearing is that while a lot of folks at Marvel Studios really love what they've seen to date, with She-Hulk, uh, this is a direct quote from somebody who's worked on a number of the episodes. They take big swings on She-Hulk. They don't always connect with the ball, but you got to love what they're trying to do with this Marvel Studios production. But again, on the earlier installment of Marvel Disney, Aaron and I talked about how they were struggling to deliver a consistent tone. But one person who's actually been in scenes with Titania Maslany went out of his way to sing her praises, and that's Mark Ruffalo. Earlier this month, Mark was walking the red carpet at the New York premiere of The Atom Project, that Netflix film that Ruffalo recently did with Ryan Reynolds and Zoe Saldana. And Mark got asked about She-Hulk, and this is what he had to say about the star of that limited series. Titania Maslany is freaking legendary as a She-Hulk. I'm passing the banner on to her. There's some really good, funny, cool, long, long scenes between Professor Hulk and her. We've never really seen the Hulk interact with people the way he does on that show. It'll be really interesting. So he calls it Professor Hulk. So we know what kind of iteration of Hulk we're getting, I guess. I guess so. Now, the downside, what with Marvel Studios' continued effort to find a consistent tone for She-Hulk, production of this limited series has supposedly fallen behind schedule. Which brings us to what's being reported now. They've shifted the uh, release window for She-Hulk. What Marvel Studios is now being forced to do in an effort to meet this uh, revised release date. So right now, She-Hulk has been pushed from late 2022, November, December. Now looking more likely to be January of 2023. Also, an insider uh, who leaked info to, to Reddit basically said, look for lots of spoilers to start to leak about this limited series as a direct result of Marvel Studios opting to send various She-Hulk scenes that need visual effects work to VXS houses around the world in an effort to speed up post-production on the show, which has fallen behind. And I'm told that the pressure here is coming from Disney Plus execs who obviously need lots and lots of new content on a monthly basis to retain old subscribers as well as persuade new people to come sign up for the subscription streaming service. Um, this new January 2023 release date may wind up being linked to the February 2023 theatrical release of The Marvels sort of a meeting of Marvel's powerful females. There's already reportedly talk of having Aman Vellani's Kamala Khan character from uh, the Ms. Marvel limited series pop up on an episode of She-Hulk that will air the week that the Marvels arrives in theaters, which would be smart given that Vellani is starring in that Captain Marvel sequel along with Brie Larson and Tiana Paris. That's the other thing I keep hearing about this 10-episode She-Hulk Lots and lots of MCU cameos. In fact, that's supposedly one of the reasons they've reportedly been struggling with the show's tone, that depending on who comes through the door, the show gets more comic, more serious, that sort of thing. Mm. 
wonder if uh, Anthony Mackie's formerly the Falcon and now the new Captain America character will show up. Speaking of Mr. Mackie, uh, did you see the story that bubbled up earlier this month about Mr. Mackie was out being interviewed by Extra TV? Anthony revealed that he was getting ready to shoot a big new project, which you know a lot of folks in the entertainment press then immediately interpreted as Mackie accidentally revealing the production of Captain America 4 would be getting underway shortly. Not how it turned out. It, he is going to shoot a, a brand new project. It's just not Captain America 4. It's an adaptation of Twisted Metal. Do, do you know the, the series of games from uh, PlayStation? Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, so they did find the bottom of the barrel. That's amazing. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why is this one the bottom of the barrel? It's a racing game, isn't it? Or Yeah, it's a bunch of cars. Then you throw some cannons on them mm-hmm. and you go into an arena and you blow each other up mm-hmm. and that is the uh the plot is that can we call that a plot i guess there are no characters mm-hmm. there there i mean the characters are the vehicles mm-hmm. right it's like you can drive a car with a clown head on it mm-hmm. or you can drive a van that is a van i mean it's just vehicles and so I mean, Transformers could talk, right? Mm-hmm. They could become robots and, and walk around and jibber-jabber. These are just cars. So, yeah, it's going to be Anthony Mackie gets into a clown car and blows up a different car, and that's the movie. Well, not not a movie. It, it actually, Oh, series? Uh, series for Peacock. Oh, God, help us all. Yep. Make it a movie so that you can end our pain quickly. <laughs> Must we suffer an entire series? A half-hour comedy series. Half-hour comedy? Well, mm-hmm. someone's laughing. Okay. But yeah, this got greenlit back in February of last year. I, and by the way, Captain America 4, still really a thing at Marvel Studios. This time last year, April uh, 2021, Malcolm Spellman, who is the creator and head writer of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was hired to write the screenplay. There is no production start date yet, though, while we're talking about scripts that that Marvel Studios is reportedly writing, Aaron, I I, I want you to consider this exchange that that happened on Instagram earlier this week. Okay. Okay. We have Michael Waldron, uh, the screenwriter of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, wishing his friend Jennifer Caton Robinson a happy birthday. And Jennifer's response to Michael it's, oh, good luck with writing X-Men. Now, Ms. Robinson would be in position to know if Marvel Studios was prepping a reboot of, of 20th Century Fox's old X-Men movie series. Uh, Jennifer is the co-writer of Thor Love and Thunder. She was also a producer on Marvel Studios' holiday 2021 limited series, Hawkeye. Though to do hedge the bets of this bit of news, it is possible that Waldron could be working on the X-Men 97 animated series that Disney Studios is prepping for Disney+. Plus. I mean, Michael does have experience working with animation. He started his career in entertainment back in 2014 by interning on the first season of Rick and Morty. But given that he's only been working on live action for the past four and five years, and no one at Marvel Studios has, has gone out of the way to come forward to clarify or correct this news... Since it slipped out online, it is fascinating. And, you know, you do have to remember that we have Patrick Stewart showing up in the uh, the trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as 
what appears to be some version of Professor X. So what are your thoughts here? I would uh, have to say we're, we got to get to X-Men at some point. Mm-hmm. I would also think that they would want to um, at least start looking at, at I mean, you got to start with the story. You got to start with uh, a script somewhere. True. True. It's the thing of what has he done for Marvel most recently? Cause like if uh, say you were a, a director of a hit Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. and they bring you back to direct another one and you make more money and you come back for a third time. I mean, you're, you're in a consistent role. So mm-hmm. maybe if he last wrote for a Marvel film, mm-hmm. they're going to say, let us have you write another Marvel film because you just did a good one. Do another good one. So there, I think that's the path that they're on right now. At least I'm hoping okay. because uh, I want to see some X-Men action coming soon. Mm-hmm. So why not? Okay. Well, to your point, if Michael wrote the screenplay for, uh, you know, a Multiverse of Madness, and well, aren't they quite far along with the uh, animated X Men '97 anyway? Because I thought they brought back the voice actors, and you don't bring back the voice actors till you got a script, right? This is true. This is true. So yeah, all right. Let's keep an eye on what news shakes out about a, a revival of the live action uh, X Men films. And speaking of needing a revival. Did you see what happened this past weekend with Morbius? Uh, I, I haven't been tracking it, oddly. I don't know why my Twitter feed just doesn't update things that I'm not quite interested in, I, but uh, we'll give it a shot. Okay. All right. So this was weekend two, and ticket sales in North America for Morbius fell off by 74%. In its opening weekend, ticket sales for Morbius were already fairly modest. They had been just 39.1 million for the first three days in North American theaters. And to put that into perspective, Aaron, uh, on the very first day that Spider-Man No Way Home was in North American theaters back on December 17th, 2021, that film sold 121 million in tickets. That's three times what Morbius did over its entire opening weekend. Yeah, okay, so it it was going head-to-head with Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which did 72 million. But again, over those same three days, Morbius only did 10 million in sales. I can't really equate Sonic the Hedgehog as being competition for Morbius with the exception of very young adult males Mm -hmm. that would be of, of that cross breeding of of interests of yes i also played sega back in the day (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and i also like the vampire movie but that morbius drop i mean that that's such a sharp drop i'm surprised they didn't see lemmings uh following (laughs) shortly there afterwards that's a sharp sharp drop a cliff like drop it is and i i want to give my co-host on fine-tuning credit here he was the one who found this tweet and pushed it out uh, earlier this morning. But basically, I, you know, the question was, you know, is the Morbius franchise now dead? And, and, you know, somebody actually put up a picture of Jay Leno from his Tonight Show days. And then underneath it, put this sort of very Jay Leno gag. It's like, I'm not going to say that the Morbius franchise is now dead, but a vulture did show up at the end of that movie. That's good. That's good. I would be uh, sending Amy Pascal steaks to just say, here, if you need something to drive through the heart of the foul beast, use one of these. There were a number of folks who, when writing about Morbius last week and comparing the box office, said, now, again, remember, 
if you, you use the superhero guard stick, okay, Morbius underperformed. If, on the other hand, you use the horror film yard stick, this is kind of a consistent number. This, is, this, this would be a decent box office for an introduction of a new horror film series. Wait a minute. Uh, what was the number for Tom Cruise's The Mummy? Hang on. Two seconds here to call up Box Office Mojo and put in The Mummy. And let's see. Our op- oh, my God. Uh, what <laughs> Domestic opening weekend. 31 million. Ouch. Morbius did 39. The Mummy with Tom Cruise did just 31. Now, mind you, remember, this was supposed to kick off the entire Dark Universe franchise. Yeah, and they shut it down. That's what I'm saying. It was like, if you're if you're equal to that, I wouldn't be looking at, at you know, the yardstick. It's almost like saying, well, we're uh, dead last 50th in, in uh, education right now as an overall state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes us first in idiots. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Let's have cake. <laughs> okay look you know some of us just want cake right you know just you know um and and also to be fair morbius isn't the only spidey related project in fact uh just this week over in culver city at the uh, sony pictures animation campus they unveiled a, a brand new giant beautiful mural which had all of the characters that have been featured to date in Sony Pictures animation films. And so started off with the, the team from Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs. We got the cast from Hotel Transylvania. We got a little a smattering of Smurfs. But there, you know, in the big panels toward the end, we got our characters from Spidey into the, the Spider-Verse and, and, of course, teasing up Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, which drops October 7th of this year. Really looking forward to that, but... They released in a celebratory mood when it came to the animation side of the business, but you you have to wonder what this is going to do potentially to the uh, the live action spunk. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking more of the thing they teased that scene. I was so angry about. Oh, with Vulture and Morbius at the end of the movie, and the sinister- they'll never mention it again. <sighs> Probably never happened. Never happened. So. Obviously, there's going to be enough verbal outcry saying that was pretty stupid and pointless. And uh, they'll probably just go, oh, well, we'll just say it never happened and move on and and do a different thing. Okay. I do want to add here that, remember, I'm far older than you, Aaron. And I remember things like the Rocketeer at Disney where, you know, all of this hype, all of this money – and again, it came out, and I want to say the, the summer of 91, and Disney could not move fast enough to bury that. And yet, here we are over 30 years later now, and there's a, a Rocketeer revival in the works at Disney+. Plus. Uh, you telling me there's a Morbius revival coming? I'm... Is that what you're trying to I'm lean towards here? I'm just saying that, you know, I'm, that I'm old. That I have seen... so tasty that they got to go back. And, and I'm sure, just like in the good old VHS days when we discovered a cult classic, this is the one that's going to play in our VCRs over and over and over again because it was that good. I, I'm just saying. Jim, you went in saying you had low expectations and it, and it just surpassed low expectations. Mm -hmm. Your praise was so low. It wasn't, I went in there and oh my God, it ripped my eyelids off my face. 
and I couldn't stop staring at the screen because it was so beautiful and the dialogue was poetry. Coming out of the words of Shakespeare himself, the bard spoke to me as Jared Leto took the stage. Uh, no, you said I went in with low expectations and it was okay. It was an okay movie. It wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad is not quite what I would say has the makings of a cult classic, like a Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Big Lebowski, mm, that's cult. That's that's a classic. That one, ooh, I'd fight. I'd get into a knife fight over that one, defending its honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morbius, eh, not so much. <laughs> all right, all right. I cannot debate this point. You are standing on solid ground. I am just saying, as an old person, I have seen things that are dead in the ground, head cut off. People walked away, and then ten years, twenty, thirty years later. It's back. Well, it is a vampire after all. It They're is a vampire coming back. All. So, all right. I mean, They're... that is possible. But it's not It's not Disney that's all hot and bothered about. It's mm. a Sony thing that they're working on. Does Sony have a theme park? It actually does. I mean. Well, maybe, maybe they'll put a Morbius ride in there where you get to uh, <sighs> suck the blood out of your wallet and come out dry on the other side. I don't know. Okay. Pivoting to things that make her happy again or again, we are actually all looking forward to Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse part one, again, October of this year. And, and speaking of, of, of things we are all looking forward to, uh, when we get the second half of today's show, Aaron and I will talk about Moon Knight episode three. When we were pre-gaming the show, you, you had a story to share about, I want to say Aaron Moorhead and, and Justin Benson. Yeah, they were the directors of episode two of Moon Knight. And uh, I didn't realize that going in. I only found out after the fact. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw their name pop up in an article, I went, oh, I like those chaps because they did something rather creative and cool. And they're also going to be tied to Loki season two in a creative capacity as well. So uh, good for them, for the chaps getting some work mm-hmm. in, inside the MCU. One of the reasons why they might have gotten some work is because of their uh, three previous films that are kind of a little cinematic universe of their own and more amazingly they did it on the cheap cheap these are some low budget independent films Mm -hmm. uh that rely on good storytelling and some cheap visual gags that get the job done well right what are we talking about what are the 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 names yeah the very first movie that they did together was called resolution Mm -hmm. and a very simple story about a man who's trying to get sober he's trying to kick the junk Mm -hmm. and so he locks himself in a cabin in the woods so to speak Mm -hmm. it's not really the woods it's just out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and uh, a friend comes to help him uh to to get clean Mm -hmm. bring him bring him a sandwich and something like that Mm -hmm. and uh, along the way and the weird thing is these two characters are played by Benson and Moorhead. They play brothers who are associated with a cult oh, that's nearby. Okay. And uh, it's a very short, short scene that has almost nothing to do with the plot mm-hmm. except to deliver the fact that there's a cult nearby. And then weird things start to happen while this man who's, you know, he's trying to get sober. So is he seeing stuff? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know that effect going on or is, or is real weird things happening in the woods out there. Hmm. And so I don't want to give any more of that story away mm-hmm. with the, uh, except I will say, uh, yes, weird things are happening in the, in the woods out there. <laughs> and uh, it's up to you to figure out what's going on there. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's movie number one called resolution. Okay. They did a second movie called spring. And this one seems absolutely unconnected in any way, shape or form. It is a young man named Evan, 
who goes backpacking across Europe. Mm-hmm. While in the lovely city of Gay Paris, he finds a young woman that he fancies. And he uh, asks her out. And she plays a little standoffish, but he is persistent, as they are in the movies, and she succumbs to his charming ways. Mm-hmm. And they spend a lovely evening together. And then she says, no more. I cannot see you ever again. Never, never, never. And it turns out, Jim, that this woman is a Cthulhu-like monster that devours her lovers. Okay. But she really likes this guy. He's sweet. And she doesn't want to eat him. Mm -hmm. So she lets him live. Now, here's the twist of the movie. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got their... Their weird thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're really pretty and I, I like hanging out with you. Sure. I'm okay with it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, he's in love. Mm-hmm. The things, what would you do for love? Meatloaf had a song. I do anything for love, but I wouldn't do that. Well, Evan said, yeah, I think I would do that. I would. I really would. Oh. So uh, that's the movie spring, which seems very, very unrelated to anything. And then you get to the third movie. Mm-hmm. And the third movie uh, was called The Endless. Mm-hmm. And it's two brothers that are going back to uh, their old childhood. Used to be a cult. No, it's really not a cult. It's just a bunch of, it's where our family grew up. Mm-hmm. It's really not a cult. Let's go back and say hi. What do you say, brother? And it's the two uh, brothers that you saw from the first movie mm-hmm. that were strolling through uh, the woods there. Well, they're they're back, played by uh, Benson and Moorhead once again. Mm-hmm. And they go, and yes, indeed, there is a cult. It's not just their old friends and family back at the home. It's a full-blown cult. And uh, weird things are about once again. And while they're there, they ask, hey, whatever happened to Evan? And they went, oh, Evan went backpacking through Europe, fell in love with some girl in Paris, never heard from him ever again. <sighs> and so... <laughs> okay. It's... it's uh, and, and The Endless is it's uh, about how some people like, uh, wow, you... Weren't you like 15 when we left? You you look like you're still very, very young. And they're like, oh, well, it seems like time is different here and blah, blah, blah. You should come back and, and stay with us and never leave. Play with us, Danny, forever and ever and ever is uh, the endless. So, yeah, two brothers that were in a cult passing through the woods uh, talking about their friend Evan who fell in love with a girl in Paris. And it's all tied together in just these little tiny threads that make no difference to the plot of the movie you're watching. Mm-hmm. But if you see all three, it ties them together in a very elegant, creepy, beautiful way. And you go, oh, their world is full of magic and mystery and sick, sick monsters. I love it. It's great. Wow. That sounds great. I I will have to. I would uh, following along on IMDb as you were talking and uh, they've got the trailers there. And as soon as we finish here, I'm going to I'm going to go eyeball those. Those sound great. I, you know, remember the low budget, uh, just a couple of of special effects for each story to make it magical. But uh, it's all about good storytelling. A, A couple of young Actors, you know, people that you don't recognize, so you mm-hmm. really can get lost in the storytelling for a minute without mm-hmm. going, what is Ethan Hawke up to with his crunchy glass shoes? <sighs> yes, which, which of course, brings us to episode three of Moon Knight. Story primarily set in, in Egypt this time around. What did we make of the story developments this time around? I want to, again praise Oscar Isaac's mm-hmm. extremely wonderful acting. Jim, you stated appreciation for the conversations between Mark Spector and mm-hmm. Stephen Grant through mm-hmm. the, the glass back and forth, mm-hmm. and we get more of that. However, uh, he gets to summon Khonshu mm-hmm. 
through his body. And he's he does so much acting through his eyes, like his mouth just bellows out words of Kanshu, mm-hmm. and his eyes are frantically looking left and right, going, what the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. And uh, that almost like panic mm-hmm. while he's being possessed by a god, I thought was just some sublime acting. Now, uh, speaking of it, you're, you're talking about the sequence inside the Pyramid of Giza, where the, the yeah. avata- avatars of the various gods have assembled uh, because Kanju, again, because they, they are seeking the the tomb of Amet, has to do something drastic, something dramatic. And so <laughs> he forces an eclipse. And I want to say the eclipse is going the wrong direction. Is it really? Yeah, we'll oh. do a quick science detour on uh, the uh, heavenly bodies in motion in space. Um, the moon rotates around the earth uh, from west to east. Mm-hmm. And the earth spins on its axis from west to east. However, mm-hmm. because of the earth rotating west to east and the moon being much slower than our day, it makes the appearance that the sun and the moon rise in the east and set in the west, which is not accurate at all. Um, so when you have an eclipse, the moon moving from west to east, that's California to New York direction, but when you're in North America looking up, that means that the shadow of the moon or the moon will, will come in between uh, you and the sun. It'll enter from the right-hand side and exit through the left-hand side. And so in moon night, the moon coming in from the left should make all the scientists in the world very, very terrified for their lives. That is an interesting point. Now i got to go back and watch that. Okay. Well, first of all, I love that moment where... Mark is walking in, and we have Stephen in the reflection on, and you know, on, on a piece. He's so excited, right? Well, no, this is exactly. We are actually inside the Pyramid of Giza. I mean, he's he's really geeking out. On the other hand, the very thing you were talking about when the gods would possess the avatars and how the actors would, you know, sort of, you know, hold themselves would would jerk as the it almost like inflate for a second. That's they it, would exactly. Stand up straight and kind of arch their back a little bit, and yeah, yeah. Now, I, uh, forgive the deviation here, but you you also shared a story about Jack Kirby and uh, an article uh, you just read that that had kind of an interesting. We are in the presence of the gods kind of a thing going. Yeah, well, in DC land, they've got some... Oh, I'm sorry. Over at uh, Marvel's direct competition, to use the code word. There we go. They're telling a story, and uh, apparently in Green Lantern number 12, Mm -hmm. they have revealed that, I guess what you would call DC's version of God, Mm -hmm. is uh, the face of Jack Kirby. And he's he's actually wearing a suit and and uh, yeah I mean it, it looks like Jack mm-hmm. and then they had also pointed out the fact that this would make Jack God in both realms because in Fantastic Four issue five hundred and eleven mm-hmm. uh, the Fantastic Four are kind of floating in this nether realm and there's uh, just a flat piece of stone with a door there and they know that God's on the other side of the door and they're afraid to open it. And they're like, well, should we knock? And they're like, well, he summoned us. So he, I guess he knows that we're here, right? <laughs> I mean, logic would dictate we could just open the door and he won't be surprised. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and uh, they open up the door and Jack's sitting at a drawing table, drawing, saying, well, you coming in or what? Oh. So uh, apparently Jack is, is God in both 
now DC and Marvel universes. And I think that's pretty cool. And I mean, we're getting into some spacey deity type characters with the Eternals and whatnot. So I don't think it'd be all that far-fetched to do like a little constellation made of galaxies to kind of do an outline of, of Jack's face maybe when we get to some giant, huge, epic Omega being, right? I could get behind this. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned how, you know, you see something in the comics and you'd really love for it to come into the films or, or for this matter, for the limited series. And somebody just sent me a panel that I guess they were doing a series of Moon Knight stories where it's it's a confrontation between Thor and Moon Knight. And Thor throws Mjolnir at Moon Knight. And Mjolnir stops in midair, like three feet away from you know, Moon Knight. And Moon Knight proceeds to explain to Thor, has anybody actually told you what your hammer is made out of? <laughs> and he just proceeds to explain, it comes from a time before time. Right. When, when there was the cataclysm that created the moon, <laughs> the, the stone, you know, there was debris left over. And your hammer is made out of moonstone. So I can control your hammer. So let's let this slide, Okay. But it's just this amazing confrontation that I would love to see. I mean, it would, I, I don't know if it would necessarily be up there with the whole Steve Rogers can lift Mjolnir and, and wield it in a moment. But it was a, such a cool page. It's like, oh, I want to see that. Yeah. Particularly if they continue down this road with Moon Knight. Though, that said, we, we did see a, a lot of changes in this particular episode. And first of all, they've done amazing effects work in this thing. But the moment where Moon Knight and Kanju have to rotate the night sky back 2,000 years so they can figure out the co right. coordinates, that was some killer stuff. It was very, very beautiful. And this is one of those things where I get disappointed in the MCU is mm -hmm. like, this should be mentioned in a movie at some point mm -hmm. or another series later on, like... What about the night when the stars flung around for 10 minutes? Remember that? You know, like, you know, like how they referenced uh, the uh, the Battle of New York? Yes. There there should be, what about the creepy giant head and hand in the Indian Ocean? <laughs> Thank and you. Now, Thank you. Okay. <laughs> the, the night that the stars flung around for go. 10 minutes okay. uh, randomly, mm -hmm. which was also the day of the backwards eclipse. You know, everyone goes, oh, yeah, I remember that day. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I they need to mention these things. Um, you're you're right. They that was I think just so cinematically beautiful mm -hmm. and well thought out. Like the way that you would see the the figure eight of the way the the sun would be in the sky over the course of a year, mm -hmm. how its position changes, and you could see that in fast forward mm -hmm. or, or rewind as they were doing it. Yeah, I do want to point out that. Uh, Ethan Hawke's footsteps, just like in uh, Boba Fett, when they, they give Boba Fett uh, spurs because he's a cowboy-ish character. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you would call Ethan's footsteps, but they got the crunch of glass in them. Oh, no. Really? Yeah, yeah. When, whenever he takes a step, you hear the... Oh, of the glass. Now I gotta really go back. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it's really a, a lot more present in that last scene after uh, Kanshu's been encapsulated in stone mm -hmm. and, and he comes back into the, the pyramid. Mm -hmm. The music is pulled away and it's just dead silence. And as he takes his steps, it's the of the glass. And um, I'm really happy that they stuck with that. As, uh, as the identifying trait of his footsteps. And uh, it's just good work on the sound, guys. Good work. Wow. 
Oh, that's so disturbing. Holy cow. <laughs> couple other uh, things that were brought up. They uh, did mention they went to go see uh, The Midnight Man, mm-hmm. which was Mogart. Mm-hmm. Now, this was the actor that uh, was killed in an accident, correct? Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think they have a, did they have an in memoriam type thing for him at the end of this episode? I don't recall. And there we go. The third reason I circle back. I literally watched this and then sat down to write the show. So. I didn't do the credits, so. While they were visiting him, Mm -hmm. his character, to get information to go on their treasure hunt, Mm -hmm. he mentions how that they had been in Madripoor Mm -hmm. recently. And Madripoor was the, well, it's usually where we find mutants. Mm -hmm. It's uh, like near Taiwan somewhere. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was last featured in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was about to say, uh, you know. We uh, took a trip there, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so. Okay, so so they're tying back to, you know, something happening at that location Mm -hmm. in the past. I don't think that those paths are going to cross. I just think they're trying to make that location pop up a few more times Mm -hmm. because it may end up coming up. If we're writing an X-Men movie, Mm -hmm. we may want to throw some X-Men in in, in Madripoor or something like that. But uh, a couple of other things were the, the idea that uh, episode four is going to have a turn in it. Damn My right. guess right now, Jim, mm-hmm. is that episode four is going to reveal to us a third personality because obviously uh, Stephen Grant and, and uh, Mark Spector were asking one another, who killed this guy? Was it me? Wasn't me. Well, you're the murderer. Well, I didn't do it this time. Normally I would. So uh, we obviously That's have a right. third personality, and that makes me wonder, mm-hmm. do we get a third Moon Knight costume? If we get a third personality, that would be cool. I, did, <laughs> I guess we'll have to ask the costuming people at Disneyland who have been walking you know, these outfits out after each episode. So, I, And I do have to say that every single time I do see the, the real Moon Knight costume, not, not Mr. Suit, not Mr. Business Suit, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the real Moon Knight costume, I think, man, um, Assassin's Creed really, really needs to do a DLC for a Moon Knight costume because they look so similar to Altair's costume from the uh, old Assassin's Creed, the white with the hood. And uh, yeah, boy, it wouldn't take much to tweak that and make it look right. See, this is why I do this show with you. I, I literally watched that same episode and I miss so much of this stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I... I totally enjoyed it. I uh, more to the point. I love that moment where Kanchu is. I can't do this by myself, and you have Stephen helping basically move the night sky. Yeah, one of apparently one of the third person or one of the personalities mm-hmm. that uh, Mark is dealing with. I can't remember his name, but he's a cabbie. Mm-hmm. Drives a taxi cab, gets information from his clients. So I'm wondering, That's hey, right. Mac, you're going to have a third accent if you're going to be playing uh, the cabbie there? What do you say? You're going uptown? You're going downtown? You're going to JFK, Bronx? What you doing? Interesting point. Okay. Okay. So now we'll wait for four. But yeah, I mean, I've really been enjoying this and just this stellar performance by Oscar Isaac. But at the same time, Ethan Hawke's villain, it was interesting to watch him in front of the court in inside of the pyramid of Giza and sort of telling his side of the story and then doing the reveal about the associative personality disorder that, that Mark and Steven are dealing with. Well, I mean, even the fact that when he goes while he's moon Knight Mm -hmm. and his face is completely covered, I mean, obviously they changed the costume to go from, you know, the battle version to Mr. Business version, Mm -hmm. but just the body 
mannerisms, mm-hmm. the way that he holds himself physically, like his hand shakes a little bit, you know, like, oh, I, I didn't mean to hurt you there, guy. Mm-hmm. And obviously he has an accent, so you can tell the difference between, you know, which character's in control at which moment. Mm-hmm. But his physical performance is very, very unique from one character to another. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really do enjoy seeing that transition of even though his face is covered in both costumes, he handles himself like a completely different person. And I think that takes a lot of a, a lot of real care and thought about how you're performing that scene. Mm-hmm. And it does make me wonder if we do get a third, how far can this man go uh, to make himself distinct in a, in a couple more ways? And how many arguments can he have with himself? And how many mirrors <laughs> do we need to have those arguments? Well, <laughs> uh, one final note here. You mentioned the whole, the conceit of he, he argues with himself in reflective services and that sort of thing. I've really been enjoying the variety of ways they figure out how for him to have these conversations. Whoever's handling, whoever has done the boarding of this, likewise, whoever's handling the cinematography, it's always clever. It's always interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, again, that wonderful moment where they're walking into the Pyramid of Giza and, and Stephen's geeking out in the reflection while Mark is grimly walking forward. You know, they could have done a cheat on that and just shown the reflection and then just shown Oscar Isaac, his response to the reflection. Mm-hmm. But you actually, I think, see like his Mark Spector face mm-hmm. in the shot with the Stephen Grant mm-hmm. reflection. And it's like, no, you actually have to do a visual effects work when you do it like that. You couldn't have just shot the reflection and then shot to the reaction shot and saved about, you know, $10,000. Nope. Uh, they, they did it well. That looks great. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love that they're not taking the easy way out when they very easily could. This is true. This is true. Well, okay, folks. So I guess we all have to meet back here in a week's time to to, to find out if, if Aaron is correct, if we, we, we do get our Cappy character or for that matter, I mean... Again, great detective work. There has to be a third personality that we haven't met yet. But at the same time, with with Kanju encased in stone, how does this work going forward? I mean, it's... Well, does it mean that he loses his power? Does the cape not work? Also, by the way, Mm -hmm. when you're in the middle of a fight and you go, give me control, give me control, and you immediately get impaled three times (laughs) and then give the body back, that's just rude. (laughs) All right. That, that was a great moment. That was a great moment. All right. Well, thank you again. Brilliant job of summoning up the episode three and, and can't wait a, to see uh, episode four and more to the point to get your take on it. But until that time, folks, if you, if you want more Aaron Adams, you can of course follow him on social media and uh, Aaron can, can you tell the folks, nice folks where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Head on over to Twitter and dial up at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. You'll find out interesting facts about myself, things I'm just learning about myself, Jim. I'm, I'm learning new stuff about me all the time. My therapist said that my extreme narcissism causes me to uh, misread social situations, but I think he was just hitting on me. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong, but I, that's the feeling I get. Uh, you're channeling your inner Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, <laughs> that was such sad news this week. It was. It was. Okay. Speaking of social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. 
Also should mention there, so we have some other podcasts we do here. We, of course, have Disney Dish with uh, Len Testa. Likewise, we have, uh, well, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Drew Taylor, who I do fine-tuning with. Uh, Aaron is the very talented guy who edits all of these shows and uh, is also working with Len and, and uh, I another project. We're not allowed to mention Project Cardboard Box. Okay. The last thing we want is people asking, what is Project Cardboard Box? Okay. By the way, on Twitter, mm. hashtag Project Cardboard Box. Okay, I, I, I have to go answer this really urgent phone call from Len now. Um, anyway, um, all right, folks, thanks for listening. And Aaron and I will be back with a brand new MUD next week. Uh, till then, take care. <laughs>